Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Housewives in the island, baby! Housewives in the island, baby! So let the party start. Them woman beautiful as ever. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. It is Thanksgiving week over here in America, and gosh, I just can't believe it. This year has gone by so quickly. Ugh. Um, so here's the deal. Um, I was going to just do an as seen on the internet, just kind of catch all whatever interested me in the past week episode. However, as most of you know, the sun has shone upon us and down on the empty lots over in Coyote Pass in Flagstaff, Arizona. So in addition to whatever the hell I'm talking about in the next several minutes, I will be doing a Sister Wise recap of the season 16 premiere. Um, oh, it was so good. So good and so bad at the same time. So um, yeah, let's get into it. I guess I should start off with a little bit of an announcement. Um Many of you, not many of you, a few of you guys have reached out and asked me what's going on and congratulated me. Um, but I guess by now, if you've looked at my logo, you've seen that there's been a little bit of a, a modification, a little tweak. And uh, yeah, I 
um, was reached out to by a lovely woman by the name of Nicole and she works at ACAS and yeah, we, I just got signed to them. And so hopefully this will mean many good things to come over the next year. I'm really, really excited. I'm really grateful and thankful to the people over at ACAST and I'm so grateful to you guys because without you guys, I wouldn't be. <laughs> and that's just the truth. People can have a great podcast. Not that I'm saying everyone's business, but mine is one of them, but without the listenership, you know, that's just how this whole thing works. I, I can't do anything without you guys. I can't have any success if you guys don't listen. So again, thank you guys so much. I am incredibly grateful. I'm always surprised that any of you guys listen or like it or tell your friends about it or whatever. Um, but I'm going to do just like a small, a small call to action. You know, in the spirit of giving, if anybody feels like um, the, who has not given me a five star review on Apple Podcasts, this might be the time to do so. You know, that might be very nice. I would really appreciate it. I appreciate it all the time. Thank you to all those who already have. But, you know, just this might be a good thing. Just like getting into my my new world and my new role as a bad bitch in the podcasting game. If you could just pop on over there and give me a five-star review, I just wouldn't complain. Well, I'll just say that. I would not complain. And if anything, I'd be very, very grateful. So, you know, I'm just going to put that out there. If you want to do something with that, that's entirely up to you. Okay. Um, let's get on with the show. I am, you know, apologies in advance. I'm going to take you guys on a bit of a roller coaster. It's going to be high highs, low lows. You're going to not going to know where, which way is up. You know, it, it's going to be a lot of chaos and negativity and also positivity and also like positivity wrapped in negativity. We'll, we'll just get into it. You'll figure out which one is which. Starting off with somebody that, you know, we're, we'll start off with a little amuse, amuse bouche, you know, just like a little thing to get us in the mood for the drama and what have you. This headline really made me laugh because I knew, I knew before even reading the article that <laughs> it probably wasn't true and it seemed very delusional and it seems like a very obvious kind of old school mode of getting yourself in the paper. So, um, on page six read reported last week that Alex Rodriguez, you know, man with baseball bat. Noted man with baseball bat, noted ex-fiance of Jennifer Lopez, noted ex-boyfriend of many, many more. Um, apparently, Kelly Ben Simone's team is trying to um, put it out there that A-Rod is interested in her. You know, now on its face, it's pretty smart. It makes sense. Would anybody really be surprised if A-Rod started dating a woman named or who looked like Kelly Bensbone. Absolutely not. I'm sure he's dated probably dozens of women who look just like her, you know, with that being said, listen, you guys, you know, I trust that the most of the majority of you listening to this know and are vaguely familiar with Kelly Bensbone. So I don't even have to say why. This doesn't make sense, you know, because you already know. And I trust that you already know why this doesn't make any sense. Okay. So uh, going on to say, and 
the you know it says we hear that the Yankee slugger 46 has been texting the 53 year old reality star turned real estate broker asking to hang out they have a cute and flirty text relationship says an insider Alex has asked her out more than once although she's not going on a date with him um so if you guys don't know in the past like couple of years Kelly Benson has actually become a very successful real estate um agent she has sold like a hundred million dollars of the real estate now granted I mean like can we keep it all the way back and say that she knows she's got friends in high places okay this is not a, a Garth Brooks situation here and so she probably has access to a lot of people who are buying and selling great real estate she lives out in the hampton she's she has access to whoever the fuck's in her building you know it it makes sense that she would sell that not that i want to like knock a girl boss down i'm just saying that some of us start on third you know what i mean um but anyway she's very successful doing very well for herself in the real estate game not so much in the tiktok game for those of y'all who have been um, privy to what is going on in Giselle and Ashley Darby over at Potomac's TikToks, it's especially weird over at Kelly Kalorn Benzimone land. It's very strange. Very, very strange. You guys, like, like really strange. Like, so strange that I'm surprised I haven't uh, redirected you guys to, to look over there before. I, I may have. I may have. But anyway... They're, Kelly's team, Kelly and Kelly's team has clearly concocted the story in which there's a universe that exists in which Alex Rodriguez is very interested in her. Again, on its face, makes sense. Not so much when we know who Kelly Benson is. So they came right out of the gate and were like, no, no, no. Many people, many people reach out to Alex Rodriguez. He's not interested in her. He's never tried to flirt with her. He's never texted her or hit her up in a way that would be described in any way as flirty. Okay. And no, no, thank you. Not happening. Strictly business. Nothing more. Now, how? It, it's more, it's, here's what I'm thinking is, um, Kelly has now put herself in the position where she is getting Alex Rodriguez to like straight up deny for a fact that he has or does not want anything to do with her. Um, Did he do that for Madison of Southern Charm? It just seems like a, like a downgrade, you know, like I'm never going to put myself in a position in which somebody would rather claim anybody from Southern Charm before me in public on record. You know what I mean? That's, it's cold world. But she put herself there, but that's cold. All right, moving on to a love that was unrequited and could really never be. Um, Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello have announced that they have broken up, whatever that means for them, you know? Um, so on Instagram, they both released some statements in their stories. And on Sean's, he wrote, Hey guys, We've decided to end our romantic relationship, but our love for one another as humans is as stronger than ever. Red heart emoji. We started our relationship as best friends and we will continue to be best friends. We so appreciate your support from the beginning and moving forward. Three red heart emojis, Camila and Sean. Uh, Okay. I think like we as a nation said, what am I supposed to do with that information? You know, like I understand that as a woman, even a woman who is deeply entrenched in pop culture, as a woman staring down the barrel of 36, I exist in a world that 
does not understand what those two have been doing this whole time. Not that I don't get it. It's just that I don't get it. You know what I mean? I see. I know what I'm looking at. I just don't understand why you guys are playing in my face because clearly this was not real. You know what I mean? Like, let's, if you're going to play in my face, like play a good game, play a good game, not a stupid one. Like I'm that gigantic doll from Squid Games. Like I'm turning around, I'm spotting the bullshit. Camille and Sean would have been the first one shot. You know, they would have been the first ones to go. Sorry, spoiler alert. The first ones getting a pop, pop, pop right out of my eyes. Right out of my eyes. Anyway, um, but I also understand that there's an entire bigger world out there of people who believed this, believed in their love, stand them to some degree, and also are deeply upset about this information. To which I say, good luck with that. Baby, you got a long road ahead of you. And a big storm brewing on that one. Next is a story that I have really, really tried to avoid, but people keep putting it in my purview. And so now all of you guys have to know. So don't be mad at me because I tried to keep this away from you. Blame the universe for this one. So there is a lady named Sophia Eurista, and she is a musician. So, hmm. So a few days ago, about a week ago, a video came across my uh, Twitter several times in which Sophia, who, you know, appears to, um, I don't know, have like pretty strong thighs, I would say, because um, she was in a, a pretty deep squat, had, uh, you know, um, it appears that she had... Um, she had to use the restroom and there was a person in the crowd, a fan, I suppose, who offered his face up for uh, toilet business. And so she, she did number one on his face. And so it was all over the internet, this video of um, honestly, like, like, I know this is not the point, but like, she seemed pretty hydrated. I, I didn't notice. I don't know. But Anyway, she goes, tinkles on his face and it was very upsetting. Listen, I don't want to not kink shame somebody. Apparently, you know, should we be upset? Because this guy, he, this was a consensual thing. He offered his face and apparently he, he liked it. Why am I talking about this? Oh, because I've had to see it and now you guys do. I'm sorry. Um, but I just... Why? Why? So she issued an iOS press release apology and says, Hey everyone, I want to speak to my performance at the Rockville Metal Festival in Daytona. Of course, of course this happened at Daytona. Um, I've always pushed the limits in music and on stage that night. I pushed the limits too far. I love my family, the band, and the fans more than anything. And I know that some were hurt or offended by what I did. I apologize to them and I don't want them to, and I want them to know that I didn't mean to hurt them. I'm not a shock artist, not a shock artist. I always want to put the music first. I'm grateful for all of your continued love and support. Now, if I were her family, I'd be like, okay, I don't 
remove me from this narrative. You don't have to love me in this moment. We can be, we can resume this later. I'll, I'll see you at Thanksgiving girl. Like you don't need to shout out to me at all. I'm good. I'm good. You, you can keep your love of me out of your decision or lack of decision to pee pee on somebody's face. Now to end this like deeply upsetting thing, cause I don't really want to go into it because really this is just like an ethics of consent. Like the man consented, but we did not, you know, I didn't want to see that. No, nobody wanted to see that girl. You should have kept that on OnlyFans, you know? Um, isn't it wild that her last name is Eurista? Like Sophia Eurista sounds like a suicide girl name for a chick that pees on people. You know, it's all, it's like so on the nose. It's, it's really on the nose. Whoa. You know, so, so is she. <laughs> Ooh, let me move on. <laughs> so the next little bit of news is just an interesting thing that I found about a couple that married. Uh, one is an international couple, the husband being American, the wife being, uh, uh, excuse me, British. I, th- I believe she's Irish. Um, and they got married despite having never met each other. So I'm not even going to bother to try to attempt to pronounce this lady's last or her first name, because I know what I do know about Irish names or Gaelic names, what have you, is that I can look at these letters and I know for a fact that like, it's not pronounced the way I think it is. Like I'm looking at those letters and it is pronounced a completely different way than my mind conceptualizes. So (laughs) it is A-Y-S-E. What is that? Like Sharon, probably? I don't know. Um, But her (laughs) husband's name is Darren. Um, So here's the tea. So this chick joins, lockdown happens, She joins a Facebook group in the hopes of finding a pen pal, somebody to talk to. She got furloughed from her job. She was feeling a little bit lonely, what have you. She meets this 56-year-old woman on a Facebook group. They start becoming friends, and the woman says, Hey, I actually have a son, and I think that you guys should start talking to each other. So she gives the chick her Darren's uh, contact information. They start talking, and... They like really start getting on. They start chatting. It's like summer of 2020. They're talking on the phone every night. They're, she's like now because she's been furloughed, she's changed her sleep pattern so that they talk and she's on like American time. He lives in Detroit. So she's basically on central time falling asleep to him every night. They're like totally in love and inseparable. So a few, a few months pass by they officially become boyfriend and girlfriend and they decide that she and her parents are going to come to America, to Detroit, to visit the fam and the family. So they buy these tickets for summer of 2021 thinking that by that time travel restrictions will be up. It'll be no problem to go back to America. Obviously they're wrong. The trip gets canceled and they have to go back to square one. So they're both heartbroken and Darren decides to come up with an idea of them having weekly, like, Skype or Zoom dates. They dress up. They order takeaway or takeout for the other one. Like, surprise situation. And they just have these, like, online date nights. Very cute, right? So, a year goes by. 
and Darren proposes to Sharon. <laughs> we'll just say Sharon. So here's where the 90 day fiance of it all comes in. If you guys remember a couple seasons ago, there was that like weirdo Disney adult man who uh, I can't even remember his name, but you guys know the one, the one who looked like he um, should be at a Ren fair. He dated that French girl. And so they had planned on meeting in Mexico and then having her go to America or enter America that way. So this is what they tried to do. So Sharon is like, okay, I'm going to go to Mexico and try to, you know, stay there for 15 days and then I'll enter America that way. But this is the gag. You guys, if this is like your plan, just know that there are now two on record instances of like, don't try to go through, don't fuck with the Mexican um, customs, okay? Because they will send your ass back and they will embarrass you in the process. So (laughs) Sharon stays there for 15 days, stays in Mexico, and they go through her papers, through the immigration as she's trying to enter into Detroit. And they're like, no, no, mama. Here's what's happening with your broke ass. Um, she like was trying to enter in on a tourist visa, right? So they ask her, where's this address? Who, what address does this belong to? Right? Because she uses Darren's Detroit address. She says, oh, this is my boyfriend. And they're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, thank you. We see what you're trying to do, girl. And we say, no, no, no. No, okay? No is no in English and in Spanish. So here's what happened. They basically looked through, and I didn't even know that they could do this, but apparently they looked at her bank account, her bank statements, and found out, she's like a a housekeeper, found out that she didn't have enough money. And basically they felt like she didn't have enough money to support herself in her trip to Detroit. And also because she was broke, they could assume that she didn't really have enough ties to stay in the UK. And so they figured you're trying to come in here on some tricky shit and stay in America. We're not going to let you do that with your broke ass. Okay. So she had to go back all the way back to UK because immigration turned her down. Oh, She was like in America. She was at the Detroit airport and they would not let her out. So she had to take the next flight back the whole way back. She says she cried on the whole flight. So just, just so wild. So, so wild. So she goes back to America or she goes back to the UK. They set up these date nights. Her parents don't really know what's going on and they're a little bit skeptical. They're like, who's this guy? What's what the hell's happening? So he ends up meeting her parents virtually. They end up having a great uh, relationship. Everything's been fine. So apparently guys, you can, there was a new law that I didn't know happened, but because of the pandemic, you can now get married virtually through the state of Utah. Um, so that's how they were able to get a legal marriage. Uh, wow. Wild things happening in Utah. Just to think for us sister wives heads that they, that Brown family was cast out as polygamists. And now you can just bury whoever the fuck, somebody that you've never even met online through their services. It's just a real catch all. (laughs) 
how the tables have turned, haven't they? Um, this is such a funny story. I, I mean, I kind of like believe in their love. Usually when you hear these stories like this, it's like, oh, that girl's delusional or that guy's like, you know, he's marrying like, you know, some sort of McDonald's toy that he bought um, that came in the Happy Meal and they're very weird. But like, I kind of believe in their love. Now listen, they look very different. <laughs> they, they look like they would probably, if they both lived in America or they both in the UK, that they probably would not like each other or even be in each other's circles. But you know what? The power of the internet brings us all together. And that's really a heartwarming story. <laughs> maybe, maybe as heartwarming as it's going to get. <laughs> Moving back over into housewives territory, Jen Shaw is F-U-C-K-E-D with about seven exclamation points. First of all, Hulu's decided to drop another special, another Housewives special, another Housewives true crime special, if we're going to be specific, surrounding Jen Shaw. They announced that, gosh, on, when is it coming out? December? You really would have thought that I would have had this information. <laughs> Here's the thing, is why I'm not prepared, is that, like, I, I mean, listen, like, just between us squirrel friends, I saw the documentary trailer, and it is called... The Housewife and the Shaw Shocker. It's coming out. Sorry. Already forgot. It's coming out. Sorry. Very soon. November 29th. So. No shade, you guys. Like I saw the trailer and it just wasn't giving what the Erica Jane one was. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't. I don't know. It just felt like less prepared. It felt a little. I don't know. Like I don't want to shade anybody. Because I know that there are a lot of, like, Bravo people on this. It's no shade to them at all. I just think in terms of the actual production, I'm just, I I only have, like, one eye on the situation. Whereas the Erica one, I had two eyes. So I'm going to watch it because what the hell else am I going to do? But I'm just worried that this may have been, like, a, a last-ditch grab for another story but we'll see we'll see hopefully I'm wrong I hope that I'm wrong so in addition to that um yeah Jen like I said is in a bad way and in a bad way I'm sure a lot of you guys know at this point but here's the tea so Jen months ago pled not guilty to these charges wire fraud um uh what was the other one? I, I can't remember. But every charge that she had been up against, she pled not guilty to. So did Stewart until Friday when he went up against the judge and was like, you know what? I'm actually going to change my plea from not guilty to guilty. He did a court appearance for the Southern District of New York and changed his plea. So he has been now charged with, officially charged with, one count of conspiracy to make commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing one count of conspiracy to commit money. Why can I not talk? <laughs> We're going to start over one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering and one count of obstructing an official proceeding. He goes on to say, on record, I knowingly and intentionally discussed and engaged with other individuals to develop a plan or operation to obtain money by false representation, by offering and inducing individuals, many of whom were over 50 years of age or older, to provide money with to entities that others and myself were involved with. Um, 
he then goes on to say that he became aware that these telemarketing companies were misleading customers of those entities by selling individuals, many of whom were older than 50, information that purported to be services to enhance their business opportunities. However, the services sold were of no value and no real benefit to the customer. So every legal person that I have my grubby little fingers on said, oh no, girl, you in danger. This is not good. So I'm leading myself to believe that this is not good. I have a, you know, a little bit of reading comprehension. It does not sound great. Here's why it's not great, guys. Um, Jen put her plea in of not guilty. She and Stuart were equal parts co-conspirators. So when he basically flips and says, you know what? I am guilty. I am saying that I have been completely cognizant of what we were doing. Here's the game. I'll show you how to do it and how to come up off some money on some elderly people. Um, and I knowingly, willingly scammed people with bunk business opportunities that were not going to go anywhere and do anything for them except lose them money. So this is not great. It feels like she probably would have been better off. Here's, here's my thing. Clearly Jen is delusional. Jen is delusional to a point now that I am almost turning a corner and feeling bad for her because I just don't think she really gets what she got herself into. Let me, let me be clear. I know what she, that she knows what she got herself into. I think she... I just think she's so far gone that she really does not understand how screwed she is. I think she thought she and Stuart were going to be bad boys for life together and that she would be fine, that they would be like Thelma and Louise, even though they cannot communicate with each other legally, (laughs) they would be in this together. He would stand his ground. They would go to trial and that they were going to get off on these fed charges, fed charges, Um, that are like have a 90 something percent conviction rate. I genuinely think she believes that. And now she is in a position where the person closest to her, who was the Thelma to her Louise said, I am at fault. Clinkity clank me up. I'm ready to go to jail. I'm ready for this to, Oh, this is not good. And I think she might be like more screwed now. Because here's what I wonder, you guys. If, is she able to change her plea? Or does she have to also wait until this March? Because she, her court date is supposed to be for March. Is she, like, just going to have to be sitting here for the those few months and just, like, like a sitting duck? Or can she pl- change her plea at any time? That's what I would like to know. It's not good. I mean, it's now to the point where it's like, yeah, you really should have just pled guilty the first time because now that your dude flipped on you, I think she's, they're really going to bring down the hammer on Jen in a way that they probably wouldn't have (laughs) if she had just like done the right thing and kept her head down and pled guilty and like ate crow the first time. Ooh, this is really, really bad. You guys so, so bad. Here's another thing that I wanted to talk about real quick. What is going on with, have you guys seen these clips of the after show, the Salt Lake City after show in which Jen is explaining, she's now done this twice, that 
She said, I got a call. She finally admits that she did get a call from Sharif. Now, I know that there were people who thought that maybe it was Stuart that called her because it was like an SS name on her phone. And maybe it could have been Sharif Shah, could have been Stuart Smith. She confirms that she got a call from who she thought was Sharif. But there was another voice on the end of the phone that was not Sharif. She does not say who that was. So she keeps sticking to this. He, somebody told me that Sharif was in the hospital. And then she says that they're 10, 15 minutes out of the beauty parking lot, beauty lab parking lot. She gets a call from a New York number. And that person says, we just want to, you know, we're a federal agent. FBI or whatever. We just want to make sure you're okay. And then she says, I get off the phone and I get this text message from Heather that says the agents came to beauty lab. They just want to make sure you're okay. And so she's got this narrative of, I had issues with a person in New York. They went to Rikers. They, um, um, I had a restraining order set against that person and that they, um, uh, where I'm losing my train of thought and that they, I'm losing it. <laughs> oh, and the, the, the feds have called that that person possibly was coming for her, that maybe they had gotten out of jail or what have you. So what I, what she wants us to believe is that some random person had Sharif's phone number or had Sharif's phone called her. Told, told her that there's something going on with Sharif and then somebody else was like are you okay and she thought that this had something to do with that person in New York who she had the restraining order against but she says that, that person on the line <clears throat> told her to like go to the University of Utah Hospital or some uh, Utah hospital right but <laughs> what <laughs> does that not make does that make no sense to anybody like I don't understand how she just trusted this random person. Like, wouldn't you say, who are you? Why do you have my husband's phone? So it's clearly a lie. (laughs) I just don't understand why she's doing it. Well, it does not make any sense to me. And this is why I go back to, I'm starting to feel bad for her levels of delusion because this is not a woman who is thinking straight. It just, nothing is adding up and nothing is making sense. And she's really grasping at straws to try and get out of this. And it makes me feel bad for her because she's not in the world that we're all living in, which is the world where her conspirator is looking down the barrel of 70 years for these three charges that he pled guilty to. And like, baby... He's not going to jail for you, sis. Like, they're not going to say, oh, it's great. He went, don't worry about it, girl. We're good. We're satisfied over here. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right. And with that, I just wanted to end, like many a Bravo cop podcaster before me in the past week have been doing, by just singing the praises of a Real Housewives Ultimate Girls trip. Y'all, Housewives in the Island, baby. I'm having so much fun with my girls. I'm just going to give like a quick short thing because maybe I'll talk about it on my Patreon when the season's over, but gosh, you guys, this is a great show. I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be like a last ditch kind of desperate attempt to bring these women together and it was not going to be good. It is great. 
here's what I love. I'm loving the dynamics. I loved how in episode one, it was kind of like all the women came from their respective cities thinking like they were the cock of the walk, Ramona especially, and that they were like, had something to prove, right? They're all going into this. It seemed like, like they would go into their seasons of their franchises, but it just seemed like they like just all took their dicks out and were doing a whole measuring contest about who, whose franchise was the most popular, which one can't put, put housewives on the map um, as a cultural zeitgeist, what have you. It's like, you have Ramona screaming about how the housewives were nothing until New York and how they got all these articles put out of get out them when uh, their season premiered. And, and, uh, then <laughs> Kenya coming out and being like, you guys have never been number one. You guys have never been a number one housewife, which is true. Atlanta reigns supreme in terms of uh, ratings as number one for sure by far. I think somebody even tweeted out the difference between a number one Atlanta episode and a number one New York episode is in the millions, which is bad. <laughs> so um, I just loved how they were all just like, they came in, it was like, like all these, like, like a meeting of the consiglieries. And then all of a sudden it was just like, they realized, oh, we don't have to do this. All these airs and all these pretensions and all the rules that come with my particular franchise don't apply here. And everybody was just able to be themselves. And I'm finding that I'm liking women a lot more. I, I'm finding that they're a lot more relaxed. They're more willing to be vulnerable with each other. I loved how in episode one, everybody had something shady to say about Ramona. I love that she is feeling uncomfortable and feeling kind of outcast by the whole situation because she can't be horrible. She can't just be horrific. She can't go out there and, and, you know, poop on the floor and be horrific to people because there are going to be actual ladies calling her out that she cannot run all over. This is not the Ramonia show. This is not her snapping at Tinsley. You know, this is a whole different situation, a whole different ball game. I loved it. I loved, well, I did not love that Ramona like went low key, tried to find the best room and then took a shower to sort of mark her territory. And that Babadook like footage of people going into that room, trying to figure out where Ramona is and then seeing her rinse her body off <laughs> with the detachable, with those detachable hose shower hoses, just, just wide eyed as you'd ever seen her before. Unbelievable. She's a horrific human being. And I just love to see every other person be embarrassed by her and to her, to, for her to like, it seemed like a little bit, a little bit it clicked of like, oh, this is embarrassing. Like, I'm not the cool girl in this group. And I loved it. I loved it. Another person who I'm loving. Hello. Sign me up. Uh, get me a drum. One of those drums that you can strap to your neck. Bum, 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 bum. Kenya Moore hair care. I am fully a Kenya Moore stan and I loving her. I, I just, it really taught me a lesson, I think, in perspective. I'm used to Kenya Moore being the villain. I'm used to her being not really well-liked or well-perceived, whereas this is a totally different universe for Kenya. 
where she is, people like her. The women like her. They want to hang out with her. They're nice to her. They're not always fighting her. She's not having to constantly be on defense mode. And I'm really loving it. She's just like this lighter version of herself. She's more able to be open. And I think I said this last season that Kenya never really, it seemed like she's never really had girlfriends. And this is now a time where she's having girlfriends, where people aren't just always on her case and she's just able to relax a bit. And it's really nice to see. Also very interesting to see the dynamic between she and Cynthia, because Kenya said something I thought was really interesting, which is that Cynthia is used to Kenya not being the one who's liked. And she's used to being the one who's liked by everybody. But now it seems like Cynthia is kind of on the outs or she's kind of like on the outskirts with people. It's not like she's outright beefing with people. There was some tension between her and Kyle that was very strange, but she is not the everybody loves her mode that she's usually in. And it's kind of affecting her relationship with Kenya because Kenya's enjoying hanging out with the other girls and now Cynthia's feeling left out and she's acting out because of it. Um, Also really finding that I'm enjoying Melissa. I am enjoying her being open. I really like when she talked about how um, insecure she is being without Joe and how they have this dynamic. I'm really loving Teresa's vulnerability. I love, oh, I'm just loving the little things of even the moments of the women talking about the moments that the other housewives have had on their shows. Like there was a point where Luann was talking about Tom and Kyle's like, Oh, is that the guy that Bethany saw those pictures of? And I just, I just love that they know each other. They know the references. Cause I always feel like these women kind of, uh, exist in their own bubble and they don't really like, they think that their housewives franchise is the best franchise and they don't bother watching the other ones. So it's nice to know that they do watch each other and they know each other and they get it. Um, and I like seeing them be fans of each other. And I, I just really like that. Um, Luann is coming off as a lot less pretentious, a lot more cool. She cannot keep clothes on her for the life of her. Those New York girls, I don't <laughs> They are like just truly being brazenly naked at every turn. And it's a, it's a real wild ride. Um, who else am I really liking? I'm I'm really liking all of them. I'm really having fun. I, you know, have, is my opinion changing on Kyle? No, no, not really. <laughs> still the same, still the same, but I, I'm just really liking seeing them. It's a really great show, you guys. I have to say, for those of you who were hesitant about paying for Peacock Premium, I think you got to bite the bullet and do it. I think you do. I think you do. Um, Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. With that, we will continue on with a Real House... Nope. (laughs) Sister Wives Season 16 Premiere Recap. Okay, let's do it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, another quick message from me. So a couple of you guys reached out to me asking about this Twitter situation with the girl named Sophia and the hashtag surviving Sophia hashtag <laughs> so i told you guys that i was just going to do a segment about it on this episode however it is way more involved and there's way more information and characters and players than i anticipated so it's going to be the patreon episode for this week all about surviving sophia it involves if you guys don't know um influencers youtubers la celebrities all this stuff and this girl who has scammed a bunch of people and they're all just found out and they're really pissed about it so if you want to check out the latest episode it will be up on wednesday patreon.com slash ebbm podcast he's trying to push on me and push on me and push on me there's no optimism it's like doomsday but I've got kids calling all the time saying, Dad, when can we all get back together? I know. The kids are all saying, Hunter said, this is the only time in my entire career that I will have been home this long. And I haven't even seen Robin's kids or Robin's family. To be honest, I mean, like, Janelle's saying this about Hunter, and I'm just like, well, he hasn't asked to come over and visit outside. So if he wanted to come over and we just sit outside socially distanced, I'd be like, yeah, bring it on. That'd be great. I hate that we're having to social distance from each other, but I understand that everybody's got different things they want to do, and so I guess that's what we're doing. But I just feel like, you know, I tell the kids all the time, we're just lucky because there's so many people out there that are suffering right now. We're still a family. That's never going to change. The relationships are struggling. My relationship with Cody is struggling because he's not seeing his family as much. I I feel very helpless here. Everybody has has their opinion about what we should be doing. And so everybody can just do what they want to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Coyote Pass, a plot of land where dreams go to die and marriages end. This is season 16, episode one recap of Sister Wives. Wow, 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 wow. Knowing what we know about Christine defecting from the family, this makes the season even more sweet. Usually I don't like, I don't like spoilers and I don't like when big news is announced prior to a season. However, I've gone completely, I flipped the script on my own self and I'm just loving knowing what's going to happen in the future, seeing what 
led up to it. I'm really having fun. <laughs> it sounds really terrible that I'm basically outright saying that I'm taking pleasure in the uh, dissolution of a family. And I admit that. I know how it sounds. It doesn't sound good. I'm standing in my truth. And I said what I said. Anyway, so we start season 16, literally where we left off at the end of season 15, where Mary's still taking Christine by the shoulders and made her look out on Coyote Pass to see if she could hear the angel sing the same way she heard the first time they went out on that land. You know what? She can't hear it. This is like, what's that Christmas book um, with the bell? <laughs> you guys know what I mean. The, the choo-choo train? Wow, why did I say choo-choo train? Y'all know what I mean. The Polar Express, where like once you get, once you don't believe, you don't hear it anymore. And that's where she is. That's where Christine is at. Um, and Cody says that he can't really understand why Christine feels the way she does. She reacted the way she does. But whereas Mary is saying that she can fully understand where Christine is coming from because she has felt those same emotions with Cody. And she says, look, I've gone, what, how many years without a real relationship with Cody? And I get real fed up with it sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do we, Mary. <laughs> so does Cody. <laughs> Mary, in this whole episode is like, we're at Mary's comedy hour. She's really feeling herself. She's making a lot of jokes that would fall pretty firmly in the self-deprecating category. And it's dark and it's sad. And we'll talk all about them. Um Cody says that not only did he and Mary not have a real relationship, he also tried to tell her on their last anniversary that he didn't think that they would ever have a full marriage anymore. But he's not going to kick her out, even though he very clearly wants to, and says that he just wants to, he just wanted Mary to know where their relationship stood. So, like, I just don't understand why producers aren't asking Cody the tough questions about this. What do you mean will not be in a full marriage. What does full marriage mean? What do you want? What do you want out of this situation? If you had your real wish, what does your relationship with Mary look like? Why don't they ask him that? <laughs> it just feels like we're constantly beating about around the bush about this relationship that is non-existent. So like, we all know that Mary thinks that she's got a, an ice cube's chance in hell. Um, about getting back with Cody, but she's nevertheless, she's still trying to persist on this and it's sad. And I, Cody is not doing her any favors. So for those of you who listen to my married at first sight recaps or watch married at first sight, spoiler alert, we find out in the reunion that one of the couples broke up the couple that everybody was hoping for Mirla and Gil. This was like the, the prestige couple, the, couple goals couple but then we find out during the reunion that Mirla decided to break up with Gil because ultimately even though she's attracted to him she thinks he's great whatever there was no chemistry that like intangible I want to have you chemistry she couldn't find it and so she said I had to let him go but not only did I have to break up with him like I had to break up with him for his own sake because He's not going to get what he deserves and what he wants out of me. And so I'm making the choice to end things for his sake, right? Cody's not doing that with Mary. He cares so little about her. 
that he doesn't care, that she thinks that their relationship is barely hanging by a thread when it's effectively in the dumpster on its way to the Staten Island dump. And that's mean. It's really mean. Like, I know he said he's walked around it, but he's not truly been honest. Because I think if he really was honest, Mary would not think that she had any chance at all. You know, and then she could move on and find somebody else to take, uh, you know, suggestive banana selfies to with, you know, somebody real, somebody real. Um, anyway, Christine says, you know, they walk, she and Mary walk back to Janelle, Robin and Cody, the Browns, the actual Browns, the people who are in this family, <laughs> the people who remain. And Christine says, I really appreciate Mary. I really appreciate what she's trying to say to me. I appreciate that she's saying, you know, we've been in this family for decades and we're not about to bow out now, but I don't want the type of marriage that that Mary has with Cody. You know, that's not my dream. So then Cody, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, seems to have no empathy or even interest in why Christine is so upset. And even though Janelle tries to throw her a bone of saying, hey, I want to acknowledge where you're emotionally at, Christine. I hear you. I hear that you say that you want to move to Utah. I, I see that you're throwing this Hail Mary pass in the hopes that we're all going to agree. Uh, we're not. But I just want to acknowledge that I do hear you and I acknowledge your feelings. And Cody's response to that is, yeah, but we have to figure out this land and like where we're going to live. As if suddenly the two past years that they've been dilly-dallying around, not even... Remember last season when all the ladies came to him and said, hey, let's figure out uh, this property situation. And Cody flat out said, it's going to be a long time before that happens. We shouldn't even bother having a person looking at it because we can't afford to build at this point. Because remember, I had just like a a shit idea that we should all pack up our stuff and move um, under the guise of this being the hottest time to sell our homes. And then that didn't happen. And then we were stuck with these homes for way longer than we thought we were. And then we were stuck paying uh, mortgage on this property that we bought, mortgage on the homes that we own in Las Vegas, and now rent in Flagstaff. (laughs) And now they've financially gotten themselves to do a hole. But all of a sudden, I guess because that TLC check cleared from last season, they're, they're ready. And he's now acting like this is of the utmost importance, even though for the past two years, he's acted like this is basically the last thing on their list. But okay. Um, Robin basically co-signs Cody and says that figuring out the lots today will help them to start visualize where they're going to be living. So for those of you guys who watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you'll notice Christine in her demeanor. Um, she's sitting at this chair, like, much like when Jen got the call that the, the feds were coming after her. You could tell that Jen left her body and that she was no longer in the beauty lab and laser parking lot. She was thinking, oh, my God, NYPD, FBI, HSI is all coming for me. This is Christine. Christine has left her body. She's so deeply upset that she's not going to be able to move to Utah. She's so, like, not trying to hear that we're staying on this land. She has left her body, and she's just coping at this point, and it's really sad to see. Christine and Jen are, at this point, (laughs) two women on the run, right? (laughs) 
and they're both trying to run to somewhere in Utah that feels like a safe space. And, you know, as we find out, I think only Christine found that safe space. And uh, Jen Shaw is, uh, well, prayers up. Um, So in a confessional, Christine straight up says she knows marriage is hard. But at this point, her marriage to Cody is strained. They have very limited physical contact. They don't even hold hands. And at this point, it's just really hard for her to maintain this relationship. So then Cody says in a confessional that Christine went from excited about moving to Utah to despondent about it in what felt like to him five minutes. So he is going to go to the wives and by the wives, I mean Robin and Janelle, to see where they're at in terms of what Christine said. Is there any give on you guys wanting to meet you move to Utah? I don't know. So he goes to Janelle's house first. And just to get a spoiler out of the way, we do not see him visit Mary's home, just to be clear. So Cody and Janelle are out in her backyard and Janelle has revealed this storyline that I can't remember ever happening before and that she is now the new Ina Garden of Flagstaff, Arizona. She is super into gardening. Cody's trying to act like, oh, this is, here's a rhubarb. She's like, no, that's actually spinach. Oh, is that what spinach looks like? Cody, Cody can never let anybody have anything. He always has to act like he knows something, even though he doesn't know shit. Anyway, I wasn't even going to go into that, but let's go back. So... She's super into gardening. There are talks about having a possible farm-to-table restaurant down the road. And she has an apple tree, so she's telling Cody to, you know, get the ladder and help me take down some of these apples. So as they're talking, uh, Janelle's talking about how she's, like, really thriving in Arizona. This is, reminds her of where she grew up, and she's loving it. She's loving it. So they go on to explain that when... A wife feels strongly about something. And in this case, Christine feels very strongly about moving to Utah. What Cody tends to do is he will go to the other wives and just get a feel for how they're feeling about the situation. Um, And it's just so funny to watch her very very plainly explain to Cody that, like, I'm not moving. I'm very happy here. If you guys want to move to Utah fine. I'm happy to buy you guys out of the property and you guys have a lovely time in St. George. My ass and my rhubarb and my spinach are staying right here. So Cody finally admits, even though he kind of admitted to Christine last season that he did have interest in moving to Utah, he admits to Janelle that he really is interested. He does want to move back to St. George. That is an interest of his, but he doesn't want to move again. (laughs) And then he says... That three out of the four women have threatened to leave him. Three out of his four wives have threatened to leave him for a significant part of the marriage. So even though Janelle's saying this about leaving, she's bluffing bluffing completely. um, Because it's not a new thing for him to be threatened to be left. (laughs) That is so depressing. That is so depressing. Because he's really been pointing, like, we know. It's just sad. It's just sad. Like, those are, you're telling on yourself, and you're not understanding the impact of how bad that sounds, but you know what? That's on you, my guy. That is on you. Cody Brown will not take responsibility for anything on this planet. He, I have yet to see him admit fault 
for a single thing for the where the relationships are where his marriages stand where the women's relationships stand how happy they are all of that is on them and he gets into this later so um, for those of you guys who are not a Sister Wives historian, I would just like to rec- let the record reflect that Janelle, who just said that she is perfectly fine staying in Flagstaff and letting everybody else move to Utah, did in fact leave the family for a few years early on in their relationship prior to the show. So he's saying that this is like she's just bluffing. Sir. <laughs> You've gotten the smoke before, so don't think that this is bluffing. It absolutely is not. But anyway, um, Janelle goes on to say that she is sort of confused as to whether or not Cody's coming to her just to take her temperature on the situation or if he actually wants to move himself. So he tells Janelle that it's like he just wants everybody to make the decision. Janelle's basically confused about this because she is like, we had this conversation about moving to Flagstaff. Everybody, including Christine agreed to move. So I don't know what, what's going on. And then Cody wraps this up in a very Cody like fashion by saying, Janelle really wants to stay. Christine wants to move back to Utah. I also want to move back to Utah, but I'm just taking my emotions out of it. And then he calls his two wives princesses that are giving him an ultimatum. Or maybe you're the guy in the middle who's telling both of these women that he wants the same thing that they want and then just letting the shit fly off of this fan where it may and then just calling them princesses. Shit princesses, basically, you know? He's he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. And he doesn't hear himself. And he really is so annoying. He's so annoying. And honestly, this is my theory on this whole situation. He does want to move back to Utah. He does. He does not like the relationship that he has right now with Christine. So instead of really pushing for this, because we all know that if he does not like a wife, he will stonewall the hell out of everything that she wants and everything that she desires. Like when we saw him disgustingly suggest to Christine that their daughter fly across the country for uh, spinal surgery for her scoliosis instead of by herself instead of having christine there purely because he was mad at christine so now even though he wants to move to utah he's not going to let christine have anything because he's mad at her for whatever the hell reason and it's just like you know he agrees with the wives that he has an actual relationship with and then makes her feel like crap so and then he wonders why christine feels this way He's a monster. So anyway, then we get to a couple weeks later and Christine is having a meltdown slash realization that she wants to divorce Cody at Coyote Pass. So then everybody goes to Christine's house to talk. They have a socially distanced backyard conversation, the wives and Cody. So Christine flat out says that she is pretending in a confessional. She's faking it till she makes it she has one foot out the door she wants to move to utah but it got shot down by everybody so she's just like you know what i'm here so i don't get fined they're having another conversation about their 
Brown family quarantine protocols, which much like everything in this family is a decision that was made by Cody and, you know, followed by varying degrees. It's half-baked, it's bullshit, and it's gone to shit immediately because it wasn't a good idea to begin with. So here's the deal. Even though it's like summer, (laughs) for some reason, they're talking about Christmas and Janelle is basically telling them, I don't know what your plans are for Christmas, but if it's going anywhere, anyway, like it is with our interactions day to day within the family, my ass is going to North Carolina to visit Maddie. I'm not doing Zoom Christmas with you guys. Peace out. Happy New Year. On top of that, Christine has been traveling Janelle's little two sons, Goofus and Gallant, have been out here in these streets. And Cody's just like, I don't really know what to do with you guys because, uh, you know, none of you guys are following the rules that I set forth. And therefore, like, you guys can just go to hell, basically. Cody's just like, follow my rules. And if not, I don't really give a fuck. You guys are on your own. In a confessional, Mary says... I can't say that Cody never comes to over to my house, but it's very rare at this point. So then Cody tries to basically say that some of the people in the family are denying that anything could happen to them. And that one time a whole, the whole family got sick because he shook somebody's hand and he gave the whole family an illness. He does not cl- disclose which illness this is, but honestly it doesn't really matter. He is like very passionate when he's talking about like, you know, My whole family had an illness run through them just because... Pickles, can we not with the squeaky? I'm talking about Cody Brown here. Okay, thank you. So (laughs) this whole family is, uh, you know, got a whole illness run through them simply because I shook somebody's hand. And again, does he not hear himself? Like, this just sounds like you nasty boy and you didn't wash your hands and you got your whole family sick because of it. You know? Not, this isn't like a CDC, a hard lesson on communicable diseases to me. I just thought Cody doesn't wash his hands and that's why he's worried. And that's probably is why he's worried so much about COVID because he still is not really in a, a, a regular hand washing schedule. And we all know that really helps with COVID. So maybe this is why he's being so precious about it. But then Cody says that he feels like some of the reason why the family are having issues The responsibilities fall on the shoulders of the wives. And I thought this was very interesting. He always tries to protect Janelle, but but then he tells on her immediately because he's like, you know, he's trying to be vague about how some of the wives are responsible. But then he says, you know, uh, Gallant and Goof, like Garrett and, and Georgie, I don't know what their names are. Janelle's two sons, basically. They're having issues with social distancing. And he assumes that the reason why they're having such an issue adjusting to his rules are because behind the scenes when he's not there, Janelle's probably echoing them and bolstering their opinions. And so he feels like it's kind of their responsibility. Now, I will pro- I will give him that because it does seem like Janelle has very different opinions on social distancing than his actual first wife, Robin does. It seems like she's very stringent in her rules. And so we keep seeing Janelle say like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disrespect what you got going on, or I don't want to say anything to make you feel bad. However, this is how I feel. So I'm kind of with Cody on this. It does seem like 
probably when he's not there, Janelle has a very different situation and very different language for how she feels about the social distancing that she's not expressing to everybody. So then, like I said, Christine saying, or excuse me, Janelle saying, I want to respect everybody's opinions, Robin. But (laughs) this is also a point, like, she's feeling frustrated because her son, Hunter, is in the military. Janelle's son, Hunter, is in the military. And he's on break. And Hunter, I guess, has been expressing the fact that in his military career, this is going to be the longest time that he has a break, like, unfettered to be with his family. And he is frustrated that he can't see Robin and her kids. And so Robin says in a confessional that... (laughs) Hunter has not even expressed the desire to come over to the house. And if he said, hey, I want to hang out with your kids outside, she would be more than happy and excited to accommodate that. But he hasn't done it. And I thought this was interesting. And I saw on Twitter people were of two minds about this. Like, people were pretty 50-50 on being Team Robin and Team Janelle on this. And I'm kind of in the middle. I kind of felt like... I mean, Hunter is an adult, so do we have to be so precious about how we describe his actions? I don't know. Also, it's not really her kid, technically. So I thought Robin was being a little sassy about Hunter. However, if he's not actually expressed uh, a desire to see the family to her, then I don't know. I don't know. I... Is there like a lot more tension between Robin and Janelle than I than I've been thinking? Because I'm kind of here for that because Janelle is very strong willed and she's very like tell it how it is as much as she can be in this family. And Robin to me is a trickster. Okay, I think Robin's a trickster, and I think there are a lot of lies and and hidden emotions being hidden behind those tears of hers. And I would love to see Robin versus Janelle. That, ooh, that would be nice. (laughs) I'm sick. (laughs) Um, So anyway, after that, um, Robin says another thing, which she kind of hinted at last season, which is her relationship with Cody is struggling because He's not seeing the other families as much. And that's another statement that I wish we would unpack. Why do you feel bad about that? Because I think that Robin probably low-key feels like, oh, we're struggling because I feel like you've been playing happy home, monogamous family over here at my house. And I don't want no smoke from any of the other wives. So that is the reason why it's causing trouble. I don't think she's really bothered by him being around. I think she just doesn't want to get in trouble when people realize which wife he's really getting it to. And then basically Cody says, fuck you guys and your feelings. The only attempt that I'm going to try to make to get this family back together is happening right now. Um, and also we're going to get a surveyor to come to Coyote Pass. And um, also, you guys, I have a surprise for all of you later. So then Cody pretends like he's going to Robin's house to talk about this Christine situation. And we see him driving in pretending like, you know, this isn't his main house, but whatever. And before he sits down to have this conversation with her, he kisses her. And it just immediately flashed in my mind that Christine said that at this point, she barely even holds hands with with uh, 
Cody. And no problem kissing her on the mouth. Now, granted, I know that, like, with social distancing, like, you guys can kiss. But did they think about that? Did they think about that when Cody came up with his fantastic plan to um, be the only person who's traveling in the houses? Did they factor in intimacy? Because, you know what I mean? Like, where did they, did they have a conversation about, like, what we're going to be doing intimately. Cause if you're kissing all of your wives on the mouth, you might as well just, you know, <laughs> that's not really saving anybody. Mm. Maybe he's just saving all his kisses for Robin, which would be a shock to absolutely nobody. But anyway, he's having a conversation and he says that at this point, it's two against one and they need to put their roots down and flags that before Christine's heart's desire pushes them to move back to Utah before Christine's heart's desires pushes all of them to move back to Utah. But we're, for, we're supposed to forget that you also want to move back, right? But it, this whole fail, if it happens, it's all going to be Christine's fault. Okay. Okay. So I hope you guys noticed how he spoke to Robin versus the other one. He starts off with this pitch of saying, you know, I just want to warn you that I want to take your temperature about this whole situation. He's being very gentle. Even his voice is very like soft and non-combative and like welcoming. This is not the way I've really ever seen him speak to any of his other wives. All we know that like he and Janelle have a very pragmatic, I would say business-like relationship. And I think he views her most, out of all the wives as an equal as much as Cody can do that. Um, but yeah, the way he speaks to Robin is just very like, very interesting, very, very telling to me. He's saying, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm not being pushy with you right now in a confessional. Robin says that even though that she thought, that Christine was just being conceptual by asking everybody about possibly moving to Utah. And she had no idea that this was actually a real thing. <laughs> so you telling me that you sat on a fold out chair across the way from your sister wife, who was crying because of how badly she wanted to move back to Utah. And you thought this was just jokes. <laughs> what is Robin's weird. Anyway, Robin tells Cody that it's basically wild that this is even a question or a possibility because even though she also kind of wanted to move to Utah, she made it clear that when she moved to Flagstaff, I am not, I don't want to be a transient family. I don't want to move again. Okay. And her kids are happy. Her kids are thriving. At one point she kind of throws off like, I'm not only thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about Christine's kids and Janelle's kids too. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you know how I know she's not thinking about them because she did not think about them when she made everybody move to Flagstaff because of one of her kids was, it got into a school in Arizona. Like, let's just call a thing a thing, people. Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not talking about the fact that everybody had to move? Her oldest son got into college. He got into, like, North Arizona or wherever the fuck. 
in Flagstaff. And then all of a sudden, it's just very strange how this family really should move to Flagstaff. And this is going to be the place. And all our kids going to put down roots and blah, blah, blah. So interesting how nobody brings this up that the whole reason why they moved to Flagstaff is because of Robin. Because Robin wanted to be next to her kid. And now we're acting like... This is such a wild idea. And, like, uh, why are we acting like this is not the truth? This is wild. And I hope Christine says it at this point. We only moved because your crying ass couldn't be away from your son, girl. So why can't we take my feelings into account? So then, shout out to Surviving Sister Wives. They've been doing recaps of old seasons. So I'm really fired up because I, I, doing this rewatch along with them, I, I'm... I know the history and it's like fresh in my mind. So over the past, in the first few seasons, Christine's whole thing is that she does not want to move to Utah because she came from a polygamous family. Her family was torn apart. She didn't want to move to Utah for the chance of being persecuted, right? But now the laws have changed. And so she's feeling like she wants to move back because there really aren't any legal ramifications anymore. But now it seems like Robin has taken Christine's storyline from earlier in the seasons. And I don't recall her ever talking about this, how she, her family grew up being persecuted because, um, excuse me, didn't, wasn't like several of her taglines in the beginning about how she really pushed for a plural marriage because she wanted, she wanted the lifestyle and not just a husband or whatever the hell she said. She wanted a family, not just a husband. But now you're saying... You're basically taking Christine's plotline from earlier seasons and saying that you're so afraid for your children and you're afraid that they're going to be judged like you were growing up and that you are basically protecting your children from the pain that you experienced and how um, you kept yourself from doing all these things and, and experiencing different life experiences because you wanted to lay low and under the radar and you just don't want your children to have to do that. And she's like, you know, my whole life could have been different if I didn't have to do this. And you know, I just don't want my kids to do that. <laughs> she would be making a good point if it wasn't somebody else's point. And now she's using somebody else's point to against them basically. But like she's not even making that good of a point because girl, you've been on a show for a, a, more than a decade. Uh if your kids were going to get made fun of for being polygamous, they're going to get made fun of everywhere, right? And I feel like they've expressed that they do get made fun of for being polygamous. So I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know why moving to I mean, I understand that there's like a big culture of polygamy and a big like cloud over the whole polygamy subject in Utah. But I don't know. I don't know. I I think she's pulling at heartstrings and by heartstrings. I mean, those little wisps of hair that Cody has left in the front um, in order to make this happen. But that's no, that's no surprise to me. No surprise whatsoever. Robin even goes so far. And she says that her children are going to be the ones to put to be put on the altar and the chopping block of judgment. 
<laughs> because people associate polygamy with child brides and abuse. And then she gets kind of sassy under that LuLaRoe print top of hers and says, I'm just frustrated about this constant conversation about where we should go. Like, you guys must be okay with moving a lot, I guess. Like, I just feel like I want to have a place and make it a home. (laughs) Now, that was dragging because they do move way too much. And and I can understand her frustration with that. Like, I've already moved three times in Flagstaff. I'm not trying to do it again. (laughs) I get that. I get that. So Cody says kind of like limply, like, well, I do kind of want to move to Utah. And she's like, well, I do too. Okay. But I just can't indulge in that desire. I just can't. Okay. (laughs) So then Cody says something about how they're going to have to verify with Mary, even though he assumes that she also doesn't want to move back to Utah and then bring that information back to Christine. But Robin tells Cody, you need to find a different way to broach that subject and not just come to Christine and be like, you've been outvoted by the other wives because she knows that that doesn't feel good to hear. So they kind of go by a majority rules situation with the family and we get the temperature of everybody and how they feel about that, how the other wives feel about that. So Christine and Mary both say that they get it. They understand that, you know, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Sometimes you don't get what you want. It's fine. Janelle says, she approaches a situation like y'all do whatever you want and I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> Janelle cracks me up. She does not care about this family. <laughs> She's like, listen, I got my free ho- ho- uh, child care out of Christine in those early days. I got out there to be a hashtag girl boss and be out there in the, in the field, in the job field. And now I just want to garden and have y'all leave me alone. So if you guys want to be here, great. You can take some rhubarb home with you. If not, send me the postage and I will ship that rhubarb to Utah. No problem. (laughs) Cody puts his hands up and is like, whoa, 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 calm down. He says he just wants to make sure that Robin, that he mentions that he wants to move to Utah as well. So he said, you know, Robin tells him you got to frame it in a different way to be more gentle to Christine. And he agrees and yeah it's just just wild um after all this cody says in a confessional that he wants to be able to come to christine and validate what she wants without changing anything okay so then cody and the wives go out to coyote pass uh because the surveyor is going to come out to measure out the land and the plots and um you know christine is basically still in this fake it till you make it situation So Mike, the surveyor, comes out. Cody introduces him to all of his wives. And in a confessional, Janelle says that she kind of wonders what people think when Cody introduces his four wives. But then they ask Mike, and he's like, none of my business. (laughs) Don't care. (laughs) Mary's reaction is, hey, at least he's calling me a wife. I'm happy. And maybe if he keeps doing it, we'll act like we can get there. We can get there. Maybe if he keeps acting like I'm his wife, we can get there. He's not acting like you're his wife. He just said it because you were there, you know, (laughs) in front of people. He didn't want to embarrass you. But anyway, um, so Cody says that he's not happy with the original configuration with the four lands. So what he's decided to do is to go over all of their heads, all these other homeowners that put money into this property, and to break that property up from four plots to five so that he can get one. Okay, whatever, Cody, Um, nobody knew, including Robin, 
or at least she's doing a good job of pretending that she didn't know about this new configuration. So we see a drawing of what these five plots are going to be. So if you guys don't watch it, just close your eyes. I'm going to get try to give you as best a visual visual as I can. So let's picture one big rectangle, right? It's kind of like those lunch boxes that they have now where you can you know you can put your little sandwich in this compartment you can do a little um a carrots little baby carrots in this one a little ranch to dip the baby carrots in maybe you got like some chocolate in this one but it's like there's like a um like a bento box right it's kind of like a bento box there's two big compartments and then three little ones so we have we see this big rectangle divided up into five it's two large rectangles for the two lots of land that are going to be four acres and then the rest of it is one it what what it could be is like three big plots of land but it's now two big plots and then one plot divided into three so do you guys want to guess which wives got the big four acre lots and which two got the the two two acre lots the the answer might shock you i i don't want to um knock your socks off right now but shockingly janelle and robin get the two plots twice the size of christine and mary now you might be able to say okay maybe this makes sense with the children but no it does not ladies and gentlemen because we all know that the two with the youngest kids are christine and robin the ones that have kids still in the house are Christine and Robin. Janelle's kids are basically on their way. Savannah's like 16, right? And she's the youngest one. Whereas um, Christine has Truly, who's what, 10 or whatever. And we have Solomon and the other one over at Robin's house, right? Ariel. <laughs> Shout out to Jody of <laughs> Reality TV. Because I always want to call her Ariola like you do. <laughs> And it's very funny to me. But anyway, so yeah, that that does it's very clear like which ones I like and which ones I don't. But Cody, of course, tries to explain this in a very sneaky kind of way. And he says that um the two smaller lots, the two acre lots, have trees in them. And so he reckons that the smaller lots with trees have more of a property value because of the trees than the bigger ones that have nothing. Now, let the record reflect that we're seeing aerial shots of this this land and Robin's uh, allegedly treeless lot seems to have a good amount of trees on it. Maybe not as condensed as Mary's and and Robin or and Christine's, but there are definitely trees that take up about half of the lot scattered scattered about. So Robin's getting trees, Robin's getting all the land, Janelle's getting a plot that has no trees on it. Uh, Cody's supposed to get a small plot of land that has a pond on it, which we found out from last season was a big. Um, uh, a big sense of contention because the other wives said that they were scared that Mary would get the plot, the pot with the, the plot of land with the pond on it because she, 
might be like the mean witch who will restrict access to the children <laughs> and not let them play in this pot, this pond. Now, this pond, um, we've only seen have water in it once. And right now it's looking pretty dry. So I don't even know why they're acting like this pond really has anything. And again, shout out to Jody who said that this is not a pond. This is like a receptacle for shit. It's poop water. Okay. So why they're acting like this is a, a, a prestige plot of land is funny to me. And honestly, Cody, you should take the land with all the shit water in it because that's what you deserve. So then we get all the wives' uh, opinions on Cody's newfound plan to get this plot of land. Robin says she thinks it's kind of silly, but if he's going to use that land to uh, as like a neutral space for family gatherings and thumbs up, she's all for it. Janelle says she's perfectly happy with Cody having his own property because she values her independence. After three or four days, she's kind of sick of his ass anyway. So great. Christine is basically the opposite of Robin and says... Uh, what is he going to do? Like use this for family gatherings or whatever? Like, okay, Cody. (laughs) She's like, I think it's a bad idea and a waste of money. Um, Mary is just happy to be included. She doesn't care. She's like, honestly, I'll take it. And can I get the plot next to, to uh, Cody so that maybe he'll stop by more often. So Cody tries to sell Janelle getting the, also large plot of land by saying that she wants to, she has dreams of, of doing a a grow house, not grow houses. (laughs) Cody kept referring them as grow houses, but from my experience, a grow house and a greenhouse are two very different things in my understanding. I mean, Hey, if, if Janelle wants to build a grow house, then I'm going to move on to coyote pass myself, (laughs) but she wants to build some greenhouses on the land and so Cody's saying that she's going to get the big plot of land next to this pond that is now dry right now there's not not even a whisper of a chance of moisture in this pond that she needs to have that land next to the pond so she'll have be she'll be close to a water source okay okay so once they're all visualizing this, Mary realizes that with this new configuration, Christine's not going to get what she wants and she's not going to be on the land that she wants, which would, with this new configuration, would have been like taken up some of Janelle's land and taken up some of Cody's land. So Mary tries to advocate for Christine and I thought this was actually really nice of her. And she says, you know, she's like, hashtag girl power, we need to stick up for each other. We need to stand up for each other, speak up for each other, support one another. I might not know a lot about Christine, but I do know that she wanted this land. So I'm going to say something. And Christine says later, she really appreciates what Mary's trying to do, but eventually she's like, you know, just give up because she's just so frustrated. She doesn't want to talk about the situation and the land anymore. They decide that the best thing to do is to just go out and actually walk the property, go through the property lines and visualize what's going to happen. So that's what they do. Cody then says that he wished that he had not let his family devolve into the sort of anarchy that they're in now. But it really happened because he doesn't like to be controlled. And so he doesn't like to control other people. But he's sick and tired of sitting here and negotiating about the land. It's like he comes so close 
And then he's like, oh, this seems like something that could be my fault, but skirt, you turn. I'm just sick of this and I want out. And if they don't want to be here, then that's fine. But I'm not going to do a thimble's worth of work (laughs) in this relationship. And if they don't like it, then I'm going to blame them eventually. So they start off walking the land. They go to the first one, which is Cody's plot with the pond. Christine says she can't even think about living on that plot. She's not worried about it because it's basically, it's super small. She doesn't want to live on that pond space. And she's like, Cody can use it as a doghouse. I mean, a house. Oops, Freudian slip. (laughs) She's really getting sassy. And I'm loving sassy Christine. Um, So then they go... They're standing in one plot and Mary says to Cody, why don't you go out and walk to where the border of plots two and three would be so we can visualize that. So everybody's kind of standing there waiting for Cody. Cody walks and he's trying to get their attention, but they're like having their conversation with Mike or whatever, just making small talk, waiting for him to go to the plot. So he yells at them like, Hey, come over. And then this motherfucker whistles like a full-on dog whistle to come here and even though christine is further out you can see the reaction to her face was like bitch what did you just do to me she's like you did not just whistle she is on the brim she is at her wits end with this dude and she's like i'm gonna sit here and do whatever i want because he just whistled at me and so i'm not even listening to what he's saying Not a single thing is going through these ears of mine. And then Cody in a confessional says that he's trying to get this moving because he doesn't want the women to think too much because if they start thinking too much without making decisions and they're going to have some complaints. And so he just doesn't even want to allow the space for that. (laughs) Fucking hell. And then he keeps going on about how this has been two years and he's tired of the questions and tried to trying to tired of trying to hash things out. And again, like you're in a hell of your own making, sir. So look in the mirror, please. And shave your head while you're at it. So then they go and look at pot three, which is supposed to be Christine's. And once she looks at it, she's like, actually, yes, I'm, I really like this. I'm excited. I let's move forward. And everybody's like, great. Cody mentions that it's actually his favorite plot of land as well. (laughs) And then Mary's like, Oh, I'm so happy. It's Cody's favorite spot. It's the best place on the whole land. (laughs) And she's making jokes. I think what she's trying to do is try to convince Christine to get more excited about it because it's Cody's favorite. But she's saying this behind Cody's back, like literally behind his back. So we can see her in the background and you can see Cody in the foreground reacting to her saying this. And he looks like, (laughs) like, can this bitch just shut up? Like he is so sick of Mary. And this is what I mean. Like, just be honest with her because at this point, Mary is like the bitch eating crackers for you. And like, It's sad. It's sad to see her making light of a situation when he's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Anyway. Um, So what happens after that? Uh, Mary makes a, she says, she makes a joke about like, oh, maybe I should take that land because maybe it'll motivate Cody to come visit me more. Not going to happen. So then after that, we're at the end of the episode. They're about to leave the land. 
And Christine says in a confessional that she's basically trying to make the best out of the situation. This is not the plot of land that she wanted, but she's, again, fake it till you make it. And she kind of figured that they were going into the situation trying to recreate Vegas, that they were going to be living pretty close together in a cul-de-sac or just very close. But this feels like they're going to be a lot more separated than she thought. And she's not interested anymore. Flat out. I am not interested anymore. (laughs) That is the end of episode one. How many episodes do we have left? Ooh, this is going to be a real treat. Are we even going to address the fact that McKelty had a baby? (laughs) Is that ever going to come up? I don't know. Um, but with that, you guys, I'm I'm so excited that Sister Wives is back. I will be recapping more likely, more than likely on Wednesdays. So get ready for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank me for speaking. Love you guys. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com